Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. folks who might be listening later on the podcast i'm just sitting in a little corner of the picture here and first i thought for giving a talk like this maybe according to the rules of zoom speaking which i actually read you should try to get closer so people can see your face but uh then i thought that this is actually appropriate have you uh, seen many a chinese or japanese zen painting you know where the people are little tiny parts of the great scenery, you know, and it's actually the open space in the scenery that's talking. So I'm just this little guy down here, but you see all the open space in the zendo around me, that's hopefully where the words are actually coming from. So this is appropriate. You don't need to, to see me. Perhaps you see too much of me around the zendo, so you know what I look like. But uh, it's the space here. And I wish I could share the great outdoors here. The door is open. Today the sky is rather clear. The trees are green. Hopefully they're doing the speaking today. Our topic is something by Master Keizan called the Sankon Zazen Sets. And this is a piece by Keizan that's not discussed that often, and I think a little sectarian politics may get involved in that. We'll talk about that in a second. It's an unusual piece, especially for Soto Zen, but I think it's very important and very interesting. Now, first off, who was Kazon for those who don't know? Anyone raise your hand? Does everyone know who Kazon is? Well, the two founders of Soto Zen are in Japan and our tradition, our Master Dogen, of course, you've heard of him. And the other is Master Keizan, who was actually not even born when Dogen was alive. He was in the third generation. And for various reasons, he's considered the founder of Soto Zen. And why is that? Well, Master Dogen, as you know, was the fellow who brought the teachings from China and was rather into the teachings, the doctrine, the practice. Not perhaps the greatest promoter of Zen, not the greatest, shall we say, charismatic personality um, beyond maybe his small group. He had some very loyal students, but he was certainly not a vast popularizer of the teachings. He was too serious. Uh, he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. And that even cost him getting kicked out of Kyoto, you know. He stepped on the toes of the big sects, the Shingon sect and the Tendai sect, 
that were very powerful in the capital city of Kyoto. And uh, they didn't like this new guy in town with his wild teachings looking to break doctrine. I kind of, in the Zen Sangha tree leaf, I kind of experience this sometimes when I say some things that may step on some toes and there are big reactions. Well, in Dogen's case, it's believed they burned down his temple in Kyoto, came with torches. It's in the Dogen movie, if you ever say that. The guys actually come with torches and they burn the place down. No one really knows the full story, but that's the most likely thing. Just too much political pressure. He found a, sp a sponsor in the boondocks in the middle of nowhere, Japan. It's still the middle of nowhere, Japan. And uh, that sponsor agreed to build a temple, and Dogen went there with a, a rather small number of students. And that may have been the end of Soto Zen if it wasn't for Keizan. Keizan was a rather different personality from Dogen. First off, Kazan believed in spreading the word and he had a very mystical heart and the two aspects of him went together. For example, Kazan believed in dreams and voices. He was inspired by things he thought he saw and heard, you know, he was a mystic. And uh, a lot of his decisions were made by his dreams, fantastic dreams that Canon would appear to him in a tree and said, build your temple here. And so he built the, the temple. And he didn't make a distinction between the world of dreams and the world of we call reality, like we people tend to do today, at least many of us. Dogen was a little bit... Uh, a lot more down to earth, shall we say. Uh, he had only a few writings about his dreams. Uh, he had one story he told one time mysteriously. He was in the temple and he heard strange bells from a distance and smelled a flowery scent. Uh, some scientists, by the way, said that could be just an atmospheric effect of sound carrying very far from some distant bell, you know. But Dogen, that was as far as Dogen ever got, really, with the the visions, but Kazan, man, Joan of Arc, hearing voices, seeing things. And he went out and he said to spread the word of Soto Zen, we have to not just talk about Zazen and Shobogenzo. We have to give the people what they want. It's good for them, make their hearts happy. He, he wasn't pushing anything bad, don't get me wrong, but he was trying to do it in a way that the people would relate to. So for example, he was into exorcisms, big time. Now today we may be shocked, oh, what? Exorcism? I saw that in a movie, that's what the Catholics do. No, 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 priests were known for their power, the power that came from Zazen and they would come to a place and they would wave their hand and chase away the evil spirits. And if you were getting sick, if your crops were failing, if there was a famine, if the there was no rain. If, if there was a plague, you call the guy from the Shinto shrine or the, the Buddhist priest and say, do your magic. They were the wizards, you see. They were the medicine man. They were the, the witch doctors of their, their sort. But that's not a bad thing because in a large part of the world, that is the doctor. That is the 
the scientist, you know, who, who needs to fix the crops and cure the disease. So Kazan created this kind of Soto Zen Buddhism. And it was not just Soto Zen. All the Buddhists were doing this all through Japan and in China and in Korea, giving the people the magic. They didn't want the doctrine. They wanted the power. The monks got the power from their Zazen and thus could manipulate the forces of the universe. And Dogen gave them this. Um, not Dogen, Kazan. Was it a bad thing? It helped bring people peace. It gave them hope. And it certainly spread Soto Zen. This is why I did not check the exact figure, um, but I believe there are 90, maybe more, 900 Soto Zen temples connected to Keizan's lineage of Sojiji versus every one temple connected to Aheji, because Dogen was not a perform promoter. And so his lineage was always rather small. And Keizan's spread and was vast. Most Soto Zen temples are connected to Keizan. My own lineage is a Keizan lineage through Master Nishijima. Okay. So one other thing about Keizan is we all think about uh, Shikantaza as central to Soto Zen. You've heard me. I'm, I'm a Shikantaza guy. I'm a kind of Dogen guy, right? And I got the same problems as Dogen. I'm, I'm not a big... I'm a little too, I'm not a big popularizer. I, I, I speak my own heart too much, maybe. I'm too serious about it. But uh, I don't give the people what they want. I should sell amulets and do exorcisms, guys, and then we'd have a lot more members. I'm telling you, if I, if I gave you the secret to increase your bank accounts, you know, cure your disease, chase away the evil spirits, you know, sell you an amulet, man, we'd have so many tree leaf members. But Do Dogen and, and me share one fault. We, we can't, we don't necessarily take that quite so seriously. But Kazan did. He sold a lot of amulets, man. Or gave them away, let's say. In any case, he was also from a lineage that was very mixed. Kazan put a lot of esoteric teachings, you know, esoteric Buddhism, like the Dalai Lama, but there's also a tradition in Japan called Shingon. It's a very magical Buddhism, uh, a lot of incantation Buddhism, would you say? And uh, Dogen was not so much into that, Kazan was. But the other thing is, some of Dogen's students came from the Rinzai sect. Actually, Dogen came, broke off from a Rinzai group too. But some of his other students were from a sect called the Dharmashu that appears to have engaged in koan introspection practice or something like it. And then they came to Dogen and Dogen said, stop that. No, 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 no. A lot of talking. No, no, no. That Rinzai guy, he didn't know what he was talking about. No, that... Uh, yeah, so he was a Shinkantaza guy. But you get to Kazan. Kazan's teacher was one of the guys from the Dharma Shoe. And kind of on the side, they said, yeah, yeah, we do uh, Shinkantaza, but 
we, you know, we'll do a little koan introspection too, some of us. It's okay. And what actually happened was uh, in China and Japan, for many reasons, too much to discuss today, koan introspection became very popular. It's really catchy. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it got very popular, including in Soto Zen. And it was only in the 19th century kind of that Dogen was rediscovered and we went back to emphasizing Shikantaza and let's get, get all that koan stuff, push it aside again. All right. But there was a whole period there where, for, frankly, there was a whole period there where people didn't care, care about Zazen at all and were more into the incantations and the magic. But let's put that aside now. The point I'm trying to make is Kazan in this piece seems to be open to Shikantaza and Koan introspection. And by the way, so is me. People think you're the big Shikantaza guy, and I am. I'm a baseball coach. This is a baseball stadium. When we are here, you come play baseball, but football's a good game. Now, people sometimes ask me, which is better? Football or baseball? I say football is good for football people. Baseball is good for baseball people. Maybe some people can play both. That's great. I'm a baseball coach. You want football? Talk to the football guy down the street. Here, you come here, you get baseball, you get shikantaza. All right? I believe in shikantaza. Shikantaza is a beautiful way for so many people. I don't ever insist it's for everybody. And by the way, that includes, I'm not a Tibetan Buddhist. I'm not into the, the incantations and the 10,000 spirits and gods and goddesses. I'm not into it. Might be right for somebody. Christianity may be right for somebody. And not Buddhism at all. Maybe someone doesn't need religion at all. They're just a good person. That's fine with me too. Anyway, getting back to Kazan. In this piece, he seems to present three flavors of Zazen. Now, the weird thing about this is it might first sound like he's ranking them. I think a, lot of the, a little of that is about Zen language having sometimes the opposite meaning of what it says. Sometimes the ordinary, when you call something ordinary, it's fantastic. And the fantastic is drinking your tea, the most ordinary. When he calls something, it's middling. Middle is everything. When he calls something the best, it also means everything's the best. It's very, you have to understand that about Zen language. And the reason I'm sure of that is when he actually describes these three ways of Zazen, he's over the top enthusiastic about them all. There's no criticism here. He's not saying this is middling because it's got this problem or this is ordinary because it's not as good as the other thing. He's saying, oh, this one that's the best, it's really good. And the one in the middle, fantastic. And the one that's ordinary, incredible. It's a little bit like saying this is great. This is fantastic. This is incredible. Which is better, great or incredible? I don't know. They're all great. They're all fantastic. They're all incredible. So please, let's try to understand it that way and understand that he's kind of maybe speaking to people 
who are coming from these different traditions, asking him, like I get questions all the time, which is best? Is koan introspection the real Zen? And you guys, I, I get in, you know, some of you have seen some of my comments, me and Dosho Port sometimes bump notices. Dosho Port says, you have to do koan introspection and get Kensho. It's the real Zen. And I go, it's the real Zen for Dosho. I say, my new phrase is, when you're Dosho, do Dosho. And you do you. There you go. That's my new catchphrase. Okay. So, and then I go, you know, I'm at the Shinkantaza teacher. Shinkantaza just sitting in equanimity. And your sitting is the Buddha sitting is fantastic. But so is Dosho's way for those people. You see, I'm not an either or guy. You know, if you choose one, do it. Do it wholly. That's that's the point. If you choose it, do it. But they're all good. So anyway, here we have the three ways. The first is the natural. And I think it's someone who's just a natural Zen person, which can be two things, but not a third thing. I'm going to, I got to, a natural is somebody who it's just naturally part of their life and their Zazen is sitting and just everything because it's in their bones. Now, there are some very fortunate people, I was not one, who maybe were born natural. My dad may have been a little that way. My father, I saw, he wouldn't know Zen, I said, from something on a Chinese me menu. I, he, he just wouldn't know anything what Zen was. He didn't know anything about it, but he was kind of naturally had some wisdom like that, I always felt, even though he, he died long before I was ever into Zen. Some people are just natural, but I think some people become natural after years of practice. And you still sit, but really everything is just your zazen. It's just in your bones. The one I want to caution against is the person who goes, I know what Zen is, I don't need to sit. That's not what this talk talk is about. Or I had well, like one opening experience, it's all clear, burn the books, don't need to sit, all of life, whatever you do, you know, whatever crazy thing you do, it's Zen. No, that's not what he's talking about here. He's the per he's talking about the person who truly has a natural understanding, like the baseball natural, the guy who, remember that movie, The Natural, about the guy who's just the natural baseball player, either before they start or after years of coaching, but they're natural. Okay, so here's the natural. The natural person whose Zazen is the most profound type has no interest in why the Buddhas appeared in the world. All questions are just kind of resolved. Such a one doesn't speculate about truths which cannot even be transmitted by the Buddhas and ancestors. I hope you don't mind my commentary adding always gravy on on uh, Kazan and Dogen's fine words, but what this means, there are certain truths here that we don't get caught in debate about. Uh, what is Buddha? What is emptiness? They just feel it. They just know. That's what it means. Even a Buddha could not say it because they just know, know be in the bones, you see. That's what we mean. It's a truth. They don't get caught speculating about truths which cannot be transmitted even by the Buddhas and ancestors. 
she doesn't doctrinalize about teachings such as all things are expressions of the self. Now, it's true. You hear me talk about this. This whole universe, guys, is you. That leaf on the tree over there is my face and your face leafing. And your face is the leaf, let's say, bioing, bioning, and shawning, and jamesing. Yes, very good. It's true. Our teaching is that not just you're a part of the universe. Let me say this again. I'm a mystical guy, too, even though you, I'm the, one of the down-to-earth guys. And Dogen, too, was a mystical guy. I'm just not as woo-woo maybe as Kazon. But everything you see in the room where you sit and out the door and to the web space telescope is as much you as the hairs on your head. Okay. And you see, words are now failing me. So this natural doesn't even bother to get into this discussion. This natural person just knows all things are the expression of the self. For she is beyond enlightenment and delusion. And again, in our way, part of our Finding the, the real good is when we drop ideas, small human ideas, I call them, of good and bad. To find the true peace, we sit Zazen beyond peace and war. And that's the big P, peace. The big G, good. To truly find enlightenment, you must drop the dichotomy of delusion and enlightenment this world of samsara, this messed up, crazy world, and the Buddha world, you must drop the division. And then you find that this messed up world, with its beauty and its ugliness, its war and its peace, is also the another face of the big peace, big good Buddha. But I'm sitting here explaining this with words. Sorry, it's my job description. The natural doesn't need to talk about this or understand this. By the way, when I say that the world of delusion is the world of enlightenment, that doesn't mean that, like that guy I was talking about, anything you do deluded, robbing a bank is the Buddha, uh, burning arson and, and, and pillaging is Buddha. No, no, that's not what it means. It means this complicated world when your heart is Buddha-like, and you put down the anger and hate and violence, you will see that this world has been Buddha all along. Okay? But again, I'm sitting here explaining this. The natural doesn't need that explanation. Just knows it. She is beyond enlightenment and delusion. And that's the big E, enlightenment. Since her views never fall into dualistic angles, nothing obstructs obstructs her even when distinctions appear something like saying in this world of divisions and frictions and me and you and and good and bad and all the distinctions and friend and enemy she's not obstruct obstructed she still knows the wholeness the, the emptiness of separate identity the wholeness that not only ties it all together but is it she knows this. 
so she doesn't get obstructed. She floats through this world of frictions. She sees beyond this world of birth and death, even as sometimes it's so very sad and happy too, you see. So again, I'm sitting here talking and explaining this. The natural doesn't need, and, and, and in fact, my words just would get in her way. Well, actually nothing gets in her way. That's the point. She's free of all obstructions. But my words explaining this, she just doesn't need. She's the natural. So nothing obstructs her, obstructs her even when distinctions appear. She just eats when she is hungry. She just sleeps when she is tired. She just lives this life. And this living of life is Zazen. Now, does that mean you shouldn't sit? Well, Dogen said that the Buddha kept sitting. You don't need to sit. We just sit because, because we sit. We sit. Why do we sit? We sit because, because it's the manifestation of this. But really, all of life is the great Zazen. Okay. But now how about the koan people? Now this is, I said there was a little politics here. Maybe why this piece wasn't so popular. Kazan, our founder is saying nice things about koan introspection here. And we tried to get away from that again in the 19th century. Right. So maybe this piece was, is not, people don't know how to treat this piece so well. But I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with what he's saying here. He's saying different strokes for different folks. That's what he's saying. So here, the person whose Zazen is of a medium type, which again may be better to say who is in the center, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Buddha said his teachings were good in the beginning, good in the middle, good in the end. The middle is not a bad place to be. We are the middle way, are we not? Okay, so that's not an insult. The person whose Zazen is of a medium type forsakes all things and cuts off all worldly relations. Some people need to head to the monastery, have three robes and a bowl, say goodbye to family, and cut off their worldly relations, and this is where their practice needs to be. Good for them. That's what they need. I'm out in the world here. My kid is now in the house watching cartoons. It's Saturday morning here. Okay. That's what I need. That's my practice. Where's your practice? Let Dosho do Dosho. You do you. Sorry. Sorry, Dosho. Okay. Throughout the entire day, she is never idle, so every moment of life, every breath, is practice of the Dharma. In a lot of monastic training, you're supposed to keep it up, especially the koan introspection folks. Man, you keep it up morning to night. You always got that koan in front of you. Everything you do, and Dogen was into this too. If you're in the monastery, it's retreat time. Everything you do, pardon my language, you take a piss, make it a ritual. Right? Cooking lunch? Ritual, practice, zazen, everything, serious. Keep that koan in front of you if you're a koan introspection guy. Me, I'm honest with you guys. I sit zazen when I sit zazen. I eat ice cream when I eat ice cream. I watch Netflix when I watch Netflix. I am not a 24-hour, I have to always keep my koan in front of me guy. When I watch Colbert, 
I like the Colbert show. You know, the some people overseas might not know who Colbert is. It's a TV commentator, comedian. When I watch Colbert, I just laugh with Colbert. And sometimes in it, by the way, the Zen is there because some of his jokes, I can, it's in my bones too. So when he tells political jokes, for example, yes, part of me transcends them in a Zen way. I do feel Zen in watching, right now I'm watching, what am I watching? Uh, Better Call Saul. It's a very violent show. It's about greed, anger, and ignorance. Better Call Saul. It's an American TV show about the mafia and all kinds of things, drug dealers, okay? I watch it. Why? Because it's an entertaining show. And But is it my Zen practice? Well, no, because I'm not sitting as Zen there watching it. But when I watch the greed, anger, and ignorance on the screen, do the, the years of this practice come out of my heart and I, and I say, that's greed, anger, and ignorance? Yes. So I am watching it with Zen wisdom, too. So I'm not going to say my practice ever leaves me either. I am kind of a 24-hour Zen guy after all these years. It's just my bones, but it's very subtle. It's not always like, moo, 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 moo. I'm keeping the Zen in front of my eyes, moo, 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 moo. No, it's not like that. It's just there. It's just there. Okay? Right now, these four hours we do our retreat, it's very present. We, we practice. But all the rest of life, just being with my kids, there's Zen is there. Anyway, let's get back to this. So every moment of life, every breath is practice of the Dharma. She might concentrate on a koan, eyes fixed, her view in one place such as the tip of the nose. Considerations of life and death coming and going are not seen on her face. I just, I think that means she's just focused on the koan and even thoughts of life and death and change of world, things coming and going is just, her face is like a Buddhist face. It's just thrown away. Very good, intense practice. The mind of, now it's a compliment. The mind of discrimination can never see into the deepest unchanging truth. If you want to reach the true unchanging unchanging, you have to cast away the mind of discrimination. That's a good practice. That's We sometimes get into that radical emptiness where all the distinctions kind of drop away. That's kind of like the Kensho. They like that in the Rinzai. But then we come back and we see also that this world of distinctions and the world of wholeness was never separate, never two, you see. But so the mind of discrimination can never see into the deepest unchanging truth, nor can it understand the Buddha mind. Since there is no dualistic thoughts, she is enlightened. Yeah, it's good. That kind of radical dropping away of all the separation and your, your body. It's true, the Kensho experience. It's a real thing, guys, the Kensho experience. What I usually say is there are many ways to experience Kensho. It can be that radical dropping away. It can be a more subtle sensation that the wholeness in this world of division are never apart. Some people in the Rinzai side emphasize you have to have that ex radical experience of drop, drop, dropped away, body gone, everything flowing into everything. There is no everything. It's just here. Then they draw circles in the air because you can't even say it. It's just for the people on the podcast now drawing radically circles in the air. It's just this. 
right? Good, good experience. Not bad. Just not the only way to experience Kensha. Since there is no dualistic thought, she is enlightened. From the far past up to right now, we forget about time. Time also goes in this Kensho experience. There's no measures. There's no separation. It's not even now because there's no past or future. That's what I would say. It's people say it's in the being in the now. No, it's not even the now because there's no past or future to compare with it. It's that radical. From the par, far past up to right now, wis, wisdom is brilliant, clear, shining. The whole universe throughout the 10 directions is illuminated suddenly from her brow. All things are seen in detail with her body. If I have had an experience like that, and a couple of Japanese have told me that I have, I don't make a big deal of it. It's that the body softens, falls away, and all things flow in and out of you. You flow in and out of all things. All things in the world flow in and out of each other, so much so that it just becomes like a big, wonderful soup. <laughs> Delicious. And there are not even separate things. Okay? That's great. Good experience. But you don't stay there and we don't over import. You don't only have to have that experience to know the wholeness. You can still taste the soup. Anyway, now we get into what is Shikantaza. The person who is just ordinary, which in Zen lingo is not an insult. To say something is ordinary is the highest compliment because the ordinary is sacred. The sacred is ordinary. The Zazen that is just ordinary views all things boundlessly from all sides and frees herself from good and bad conditions. We sit Zazen just dropping all thoughts of good and bad, knowing that Zazen is good just to be Zazen, and we taste that big G good that sweeps in all the good and bad of this world. That's our practice. The mind naturally expresses the actual nature of all the Buddhas because Buddha rests right where your own feet rest or stand or sit. When you sit, we sit with the trust that this is the sitting of the Buddha. Thus wrong action does not arise. We'll talk about that in a, section, in a second when he gets to the precepts. But we drop also a thought of right and wrong, and we taste some realm where there cannot even be wrong. The way I usually describe this in adding words to words is, in this world, we have a world where you can do wrong. You can be a bank robber, and you can steal something. In the world of wholeness, it's so whole, listen closely, there's no one who can do stealing, there's nothing separate to steal. Therefore, no wrong can be done. There's nothing lacking, so who would even need to steal? That's the wholeness. But yet we live in this world where we can rob banks and steal things, and our precepts tell us, don't do that. The hands are held in reality mudra, the Zazen mudra, the way we hold our hands during Zazen, and do not hold on to any scriptures. 
you might say we're, we're embodying the sutras. Doesn't mean we don't read the sutras sometimes. It means when we're sitting Zazen, we put the sutras aside. We are the sutras embodied. The mouth is tightly closed as if the lips were sealed and no word of doctrine is spoken. The eyes are neither wide open nor shut. See, I, I'm not kidding about that. In Zazen, we keep the eyes a little open. We neither run towards the world nor run away, all to realize in sitting here, there is no other place to go. There is no other place, get this, there is no other place that is not here because here is there and there is here. There is everywhere, everywhere is here. I am a mystic. Okay. Nothing is ever seen from the point of view of fragmentation. We drop all ideas of this and that and me and you, right? In Zazen, we just put them down. The fragmentation softens, sometimes fully drops away, like those Kensho guys. Sometimes it fully drops away. Sometimes the fragmentation just softens and the light of wholeness is seen to permeate all things. As if everything is separate and itself, but yet everything is the wholeness too. This is also a flavor of Kensho and a very good one. And the Rinzai people know that too. They don't, they know that same Kensho too that is in this world yet not of it. Okay, anyway. And good and evil words are left unheard. The nose in equanimity doesn't choose one smell as good, another as bad. We sit Zazen in radical equanimity. I said the other day, uh, I gave the podcast with Kirk and we were talking about Dukkha. And I said, Dukkha is sucky, but Sukkha is ducky. And anyway, sometimes life is sucks. Sometimes life is ducky. That's a British expression, I believe, for... It's a little out of fashion, but it means it's good, good, ducky, right? Well, we sit with radical equanimity, letting the sucky be sucky and the ducky be ducky. Ducky times are just ducky. Sucky times are just, well, sucky. Uh, we also, I also had a discussion with Kirk, by the way, when we decided to use suck for the title. He actually proved to me, originally, it has nothing to do with what you dirty guys are thinking. It actually came from some other meaning Shakespeare used it. In any case, it just means let bad times be bad, let good times be good, let in between times be in between. The body is not propped up, we sit upright, naturally balanced way, and all delusion is ended. Since delusion does not disturb the mind, in this equanimity, Sorrow and joy both drop away. This is the where I say that our way of sitting is very close to the Buddha's fourth jhana, which was considered maybe what the, the highest that the Buddha actually realized. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it. But we sit not in, to experience bliss, bliss, bliss. Oh, I'm so blissful, man. This is it. This, oh, bliss. It's only when I'm bliss. My job, my zazen is good because I'm feeling bliss. Bliss is good. I ain't got nothing against bliss, man. Okay, we sit in a kind of joy with a big J that overrides all sorrows and joys. It's truly radical equanimity is much more powerful than just feeling some 
bliss. That's like, take morphine if you want that, man. That's not what we're into. Okay? Shaped like a wooden carving of the Buddha, we sit in the form of a, like a Buddha statue, right? Shaped in the wooden carving of the Buddha, but the substance and the form are true. When we are sitting in the form of a Buddha, we are Buddha. Worldly thoughts might arise during Zazen. We don't stop the thoughts. We don't blank out like maybe the Rinzai folks just concentrating on the koan, koan and they blank out. Just there's nothing but moo, 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 and all thoughts. There's no other space for anything else. It's a, like a mantra. There's only space for the mantra. Our way, worldly thoughts might arise or not, but they do not disturb because the mind is a bright mirror with no trace of shadows. I, I often say the strongest teaching we have, one of the strongest symbols or images, ways to convey Zazen is as the mirror. The mirror sits there bright, clear, and round. Think of it as a boundless, beautiful, clear mirror. Whatever comes and is in the mirror, it doesn't care. It doesn't go, oh, that guy's face too ugly for me. No, it takes the ugly. Oh, only beautiful people. Uh, no, 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 no. Only good scenes? No. Only bad scenes? No. Only nonviolent scenes? No. They're all in the clear mirror. But the clear mirror is shining with its clarity, its equanimity, its wholeness to such a degree that it takes in the whole world, you see. So we are sitting, not on our moo, moo, moo to blank it all out, boom, but as the clear mirror that is perfectly welcoming of all. And yet all, here's the thing, when you have the heart of the bright mirror, the ugly world does not appear like it was before. Don't get me wrong. When you have this heart, you'll see ugly things and beautiful things, peaceful things and violent things. But something, something is shining through. A light is shining through that, like that. Okay, so the precepts naturally arise from Zazen, and uh, all the teachings naturally arise from Zazen. That's what he says in the next paragraph, and it's true. That doesn't mean we can break the precepts. It doesn't mean we don't study the teachings. It's that when you are sitting Zazen, all the precepts, like I said, you can't rob a bank. There's no bank to rob. There's no robber. And you're sitting Zazen. It's such wholeness. All the precepts are resolved. Later, we study the Heart Sutra. What does it mean? Form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. That's what we're talking about. Great, right? Uh, all things are the expression of the self. Great teaching. Study that. Right. Now we're sitting Zazen. You are all things are expression of the self. You are form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. Shut up. Sit. Like that. And then he goes just in praise of Zazen. Should only one merit be gained from the practice of Zazen, it is vaster than the construction of a hundred, a thousand, of a limitless number of monasteries. But then Kazan went, uh, by the way, guys, I don't mean don't make donations. I'm still the promoter here. I got to build all those 900 temples I told you about. Keep the donations coming. Shh, I didn't mean that. That's a joke. I was just telling a Kazan joke. You know, because he was the big promoter. He made the monasteries. But here he's saying, mm, it's not about building monasteries. Okay. Anyway, practice Zazen. Just sitting ceaselessly. 
Doing so, we are liberated from birth and death and realize our own hidden Buddha nature. Whichever guy you are, if you're Mr. Natural, great. If you're Mr. Koan Introspection, good for you. If you're sitting Shikantaza, you're here practicing baseball. This is a baseball field. It is, yes, Kensho, Buddha nature. Yeah, all good. If you want to be, find it in Jesus. I really don't care. Be a good person. You want to find it in uh, science. Just be a physicist. Don't care about this at all. Great. Be a good person. You can find it many ways. I don't care. We play baseball here. Okay. Anyway. In perfect ease, go stay, sit, and lie down. It's all your actions. Seeing, hearing, understanding, and knowing are all the natural display of the actual nature, even when you're watching Better Call Saul on Netflix. But we don't do that during Zazen Kai. This is not Better Call Saul time. This is sitting Zazen time. You can watch Better Call Saul later. Who here, by the way, raise your hand. Do you know this, what I'm talking about, Better Call Saul? Is it just like... Okay, two, three people here. The other people don't know what I'm talking about. It's a TV show. Very entertaining. Okay, anyway. I'm not recommending you have to go watch it now as part of your training. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's there. If you got a Netflix, it's, it's, it's good. You got to watch Breaking Bad first, though, or it won't make sense. Breaking Bad, then Better Call Saul. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Back to you. Okay. From first to last, mind is mind. Beyond any arguments about knowledge and ignorance, just do Zazen with all of who and what you are. Just do it sincerely. Just do it with dedication. Whether it's the hard koan way or our just sitting in radical equanimity and confidence that Buddha is here and letting go. Just do it sincerely and with dedication. Never stray from it or lose it. Even when you're sitting zazen or taking care of the kids or watching some terrible story on TV, the news, whatever it is, it's always in your bones. You can be the natural. Our practice here is I hope you practice for many years. And while we say there's no place to go and nothing to attain, it does get in the bones. I hope you become the natural. I think many of you are already becoming the natural. Never stray from it. Never lose it. Any questions? Thank you for joining us for the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.